achieved that. I, uh, I'm still impacted by the word at Tabernacles, and I'm still uh, working out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm still looking for more than what I've become. And I'm still looking for the power to be demonstrated in a way that glorifies Jesus, that uh, causes people to see and know that, yeah, there's no other way that could have happened than God. Amen? And uh, I want to remind you that, uh, you know, it was Firestorm New England. And, uh, amen, the Firestorm New England. Repentance and forgiveness was the first night, if you remember. And then uh, we had a message on kings and priests and how appropriate it would be for the Lord to start with forgiveness and repentance. How appropriate it would be for Him to position His people in a way where their hearts are open, they're right with God, right? That the things that held them in the past are released, that they are coming like newborn babies. And then He's talking about kings and priests, and then the third night was all about power. Amen. I want to um, bring your thoughts to when Jesus, uh, Jesus in the beginning, it tells us in Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And we know that Jesus is the Word. And we know that Jesus existed before He was birthed in Mary's womb and came onto the earth. That He, he uh, came and said, Father... I'll go to restore and redeem mankind. And so he gave up his godly title, right? We know that he gave up his godly title of who he was because it says in Genesis, he was the Word and by the Word all things were made. And there wasn't anything that was made that wasn't made by the Word. Jesus. And we know that he gave up his authority and his title just temporarily. He came to the earth as a man. Now, I'm, I'm thinking that as he was growing up, not too many people understood who he was. That there was an identity problem with the people that were thinking about when is the kingdom of God going to come, right? They didn't know that he was standing in their midst. They didn't know that he was God made flesh in their midst to carry out a plan, and then we know that there was an identity uh, with the disciples. The deci- he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Right? He was interested to know, am I a, am, in, in your eyes, am I a prophet? Am I a good teacher? Or am I the Son of God? Who am I? And then we know that when he went to the cross, that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. He went into hell itself with the burdens of sin, our sins upon his shoulders. And all that weight and and, uh, sin was left in the very pits of hell. And the power of God raised him up again and presented him in the courtrooms of heaven alive. Amen? I want to suggest to you this morning that your journey is no different. You were known by God 
before he put you in your mother's womb. You were known by him. Psalms 139.13 For you formed me, my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's wombs. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, a skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. There's so much in these scriptures. Speaks about a book. Speaks about he knew you before your frame was put together. He knew you. How precious are your thoughts of me, O God. We talked last Sunday about hearing the thoughts, the passionate thoughts of God in real time, downloading or streaming or whatever, however it struck you. Your thoughts to me are precious, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sands of the sea. And when I awake, I am still with you. I want you to understand that God is breaking the chains of the past. God is breaking the soulless chains of the past that held us as a group of people, as a body of Christ, as the bride of Jesus. He's breaking the chains out of the past, and the past can't hold you anymore. Now, what do I mean by the chains of the past? I mean by how you think about yourself. I mean about who your identity is in your eyes. Oftentimes, when we're out in the world, we have conversations with people, and, oh, what do you do? Oh, I work at this place. I work at that place. Oh, I'm a, I'm a builder. I'm a... I'm a carpenter. Oh, I'm a, I'm a cab driver. Oh, I'm a baker. And lots of times our identity is wrapped up in the things that we profess out of our mouth from a soulish position, from a soulish perspective. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And this journey that Jesus went on is the same for you and I. It's a journey of being known by God, coming to the earth in the flesh, because God put him together in his mother's womb, just the same way he did you. You were known. Your frame was known. And then you were birthed. And at that moment, you were flesh on the earth. And a baby. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? You see, we're on a journey of, of, of the transition from the, from the flesh, from the soulish life, into the spirit. And that's why I can say, His words. You became a human being that would need to reconnect with your true identity. Like Jesus learning from the things He suffered, you are reconnecting with the Father by the things that you suffer. It has a purpose. The Father isn't allowing 
hardships and trials for your destruction. He's allowing it that you would that you would come to know Him in a more personal and intimate way. That you would understand who you are made to be. Who, you're, who you were fashioned before you were birthed. Who were you? What were you created for? What, what, did, what, did, what agreement was there in heaven that said, I'll go? And what were you going to fulfill? What was your commission? What was the place where you said, God, given the opportunity, count me in? Reconnecting with the Father through the things that you're suffering. You're learning to walk by the Spirit. says the sons of God walk by the Spirit. And that transition that you're in right now is ever increasing day upon day, week upon week, month upon month. You're not stagnant. You're not to look at yourself as, why haven't I grown more? Or why am I still going through this trial? The work is His. The work is His. And you're growing day by day and you're learning to take the soul life and instead of looking at the soul life and operating on this worth and identifying with this world through the soul, you're beginning to identify through spiritual perception, spiritual understanding, spiritual knowledge, spiritual sight, spiritual movement. And you're beginning to be built up as a many-membered body. Amen? In order for God to take His rightful place in this valley, that means that you need to take yours. The sons are regaining their identity, not based on past hurts or influences. The past doesn't define who you are. Your trials don't define you. You're shaped by the trials, but the trials don't define you. Your job doesn't define you. How big or small your family is doesn't define you in the natural. What kind of car you drive, how much money you make. Nothing in the natural defines who you were because the natural came after. You existed with God. In the spirit. Your skills, your smarts, your intellect, the way you look. What do you think the devil is most afraid of? He's most afraid of of you finding out who you really are. The devil is most compelled to keep that a secret. So you don't understand who you are and what you were released upon this earth to do and accomplish. Because that means you're anointed with power to destroy his works. The devil comes to convince you that you're defined by your present circumstances, your sin, 
your shortcomings, your inadequacies, drugs, alcohol, sex, failures, hurts, pains. That's what he's trying to convince you. That's who you are. That's not what the Word of God says. We're coming to a place where there is a greater capacity and a greater anointing to align your thoughts with God so that you confess the things of God. This message is titled, Who Really Are You? Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who come to God must believe that he is. He is. The is is everything the word describes him to be. Father, counselor, healer, deliverer. Everything it declares who He is. And that those who come to God must come to Him in faith. That's why I see faith arising in these days through you. Because you came through tabernacles and there was an impartation of hope, of faith, to continue to go through sufferings and trials with a greater expectation than just getting to the other side of them. The greater expectation was, I'm going to see him. Mark 1, 26, 21. Jesus was in, he, was, he went into the, the sanctuary, went into the, the tabernacle. He was in Capernaum. He was teaching on the Sabbath. He went into the community and he starts to teach. This is who Jesus is. This is the word of my Father. I want to impart to you, right? And he started to do that. And somebody in the assembly of the people, it says a demon cried out to him. I know who you are. You're the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before our time? You see, there were spirits that knew, even if man didn't. There were principalities and powers and there was a plan that was trying to be carried out to deal with the King of Kings in a once and for all way. And they knew who He was, even if people didn't. I would suggest to you that your battle is not against flesh and blood. That the devil knows who you are, even if you don't. He knows the capacity and the authority and the power that exists in you being a saved, born-again Christian, being an individual who has given your life to Christ. And I would suggest that the power that is coming to the earth in these days is the greatest in all of history. Because God wants to make Himself known through sons and daughters that He said at tabernacles, who walk in humility, who walk in meekness, repentance, 
who are anointed before the foundations of the world as kings and priests and walk in authority and power. That's what we're experiencing right now, and we will continue to experience it from now until God is done. He cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And he set the man free. Just the same way that the devil knew who Jesus was, the enemy already knows who you are in hopes that you don't find out. John 10.10, the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, Amen. I have come. I'm here. That you may have life. And that you would have it more abundantly than you've ever experienced in your life. God is working to have His sons regain their identity. To know who they are. So their effectiveness is more powerful and genuine, destroying all of the works of the devil. Not just some. We see this battle going on in the natural across our nation. Darkness rising up on one side, but the people of God are rising up on another side because they're beginning to understand who they are. Not of themselves, not of their natural soulish understanding, who they are in agreement with God's Word. So what do you think about yourself? How do you see yourself in this movement of God that's global? How do you see your part in it? Do you see yourself in alignment with God's Word? We were told in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I, God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Did you know that identity theft is a crime? I don't know about you, but I get calls all day long on my cell phone and my regular phone. Hello, this is Nick John from Microsoft uh, Service Center here to help you with your computer. Really? I've only got about 60 of those kinds of calls. They're trying to steal your identity. They're trying to steal the favor that God has given you. They're trying to masquerade themselves into thinking there's someone else and there's something positive in this call for you. It's a crime. It's a crime on this world and it's a crime in the courts of heaven. I believe that God is starting to deal with a false witness. And the, and the identity theft and the fraud that is so rampant in the world. Do you know that identity theft is punishable by jail time? 
Do you know that at the end of the age, Jesus judges the devil once and for all and casts him into a place for eternity? He knows he's going there. He hopes you don't find out who you are. Consequences. Years in prison. Can you imagine an eternity in prison? He's trying to steal your identity. He's trying to steal who God created and anointed you to be. Jeremiah 1.5 Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Though he's speaking to Jeremiah here, this is a, a proclamation to the church. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. There is a word that is going out because God ordained it before the foundations of the world. And so as I begin to close here, Romans 8, if you are not sure who you are, I made some pamphlets. Can you pass those out for me? If you're not sure who you are, if you're not sure what God's Word says about you, if you're not sure about what the author of all of creation said and testified about you, I want you to take this pamphlet and start reading it. And when one of the verses in the pamphlet strikes you and is like, oh, then I gave you the Scripture, and go to the Word and read more about it. And I'm telling you, God wants to anoint the sons. God wants to anoint you with the truth of who you are. Romans 8 is all about who you are. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... So he's very clear. You can either think and live and have your being in the soul realm, or you can think and have your being in the spirit. That is the only place you're going to fulfill the destiny that is written about you in heaven. Because the carnal mind is at enmity with God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8.13 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And I'll end with Revelations 1. It's becoming to be one of my favorite scriptures. 4-6 through And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn. That means there's more the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and released us from our sins by his own blood. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever. Somebody just shout out. Read one of those passages. Just shout it out.
Another one. I've been healed. Amen. Another one. Amen. Another one. Amen. Say it again. Amen. Another one. These are just 90 references to hundreds that exist in His Word. That you can get with God and let Him minister to you who you were when He created you, not in the womb, because He said, I knew you before then. The devil doesn't want you to know who God testifies Himself you're to be. But God is releasing knowledge and wisdom and understanding and revelation in the day that we're in to anoint His church to meet the wickedness that is raising its head in the earth. Every principality and every power of the air that raises its head against the knowledge of God is already condemned. But you need to know that. Or you act in a way that allows Him to stay where He's at. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.